0: Pray together. Almighty God, it almost feels like you have been preparing us for this moment. For the last three years together, we have been seeking. The answer to what does it look like to live like a fearless, selfless follower of your son Jesus. And in a world where our fear and our anxiety and our selfishness is leading people to fight over toilet paper. Lord, you have called us for such a time as this. To show what compassion and peace And kindness and fearless, selfless, what that life looks like. Lord, we give you thanks. We ask that in these moments you would take our minds and think through them, that you would take my lips and speak through them, you would take all of our hearts and set them on fire with a love for you, for one another. And for those around us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We've been working through uh, what the church calls Jesus' final discourse. uh, Farewell discourse. It is the teaching that he gave them. Um, before he was arrested and uh, ultimately uh, tried and murdered and before the resurrection. And a main theme of this teaching is the world. That the world is out there and the world is is not moving in the same direction that God is. That if we do the things that God calls us to do, the world will not applaud us. The world will not celebrate us because the goals of the world are not the goals of God. And once again, in today's text, we see this language. Jesus tells his disciples that you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. For Jesus, the, the world is not just other people, the world is a spiritual force that is orienting life away from the way God has designed it. The world is creating chaos where God has designed order. But the promise of Jesus to his disciples and the promise that we have today Is that a time comes when we will weep and mourn while the world rejoices, but that our grief will turn to joy. Our grief will turn to joy. The reality is that we are in for a time of grief. The government thinks that somewhere between Uh, 40 to 70% of all Americans will be infected with this coronavirus. So if we just pick a number randomly in the middle, like 50, that means that in our community here at Trinity, uh, about 100 people are going to be sick with this virus over the next few months. And if our rates uh, are somewhere between Uh, Hong Kong and Italy, as far as hospitalizations and deaths, about 20 of us will find ourselves hospitalized because of this virus. And four, five, six of us could even die. And we'll grieve. Because that is sad and tragic and scary. But we have a choice to make. Knowing the numbers, knowing the stats, knowing what could happen, are we going to respond with fear? Are we going to leave church today and go to Meyer and buy every last roll of toilet paper we can find and uh, start making hand sanitizer in our bathtubs and, uh, you know, dig out a, a end-of-the-world apocalypse bunker in our backyard? Will we be stingy with others when our neighbor runs out of toilet paper and we have a closet full of it? Will we say, well, you know, you can use a washcloth and then wash it? Will we respond in that selfish manner? If we did, that would be a mistake. But it would also be a mistake to be foolish, to say, you know what? I'm not worried about no coronavirus. I'm more concerned of dying from uh, cirrhosis from corona than the coronavirus. And we don't change our behavior at all. We continue going out into crowded spaces. We continue to, um, you know, visit people who are sick after uh, leaving the movie theater. And we can be part of the problem if we respond foolishly. But I'm convinced that God has called us to be faithful. And that is this middle line, this this middle ground, this this place where we recognize that not all of us have the same level level of vulnerability right now. That some of us are in a position where our immune systems are really cranking on all cylinders. And in this time, God has called us to help those who are uh, more vulnerable. That in this time... When um, the 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 mortality rate for people over eighty who contract the coronavirus is fifteen percent, that we can come alongside uh, the older folks in our community who are um, who are most at risk. That at this time, when people who have autoimmune disorders are Especially at risk of hospitalization and death, and those of us who don't have autoimmune disorders can come alongside and make it so that they can live as safely and securely and cautiously as possible. Jesus told his disciples that now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your grief. And no one will take away your joy. No one will take away your joy. That's a promise for us. That, that no matter what happens over the coming months with this virus and uh, the hysteria that surrounds it, that Jesus still sits on the throne. That as we come together, In worship, it's still worth it. Because God is worthy of praise. As I read this passage, the the part that um, I find to be the very most encouraging, and what jumps out at me, is uh, really this section between like verses 19 and 31, where... Uh, Jesus says that though I have been speaking, uh, what the NIV translates figuratively, but really probably should be in riddles. Although I've been speaking in riddles, a time is coming where I will no longer use this language. And the disciples hear Jesus' final riddle to them. And they respond by saying, now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. And Jesus is just sitting there like, no. No. That was another riddle. Like, like, you don't get it. You don't get it at all. You don't get it at all. This affirmation that the disciples make on its, on its face, it looks like this, this great affirmation of faith, but really it's just an affirmation of ignorance. I mean, Jesus' response... Do you now believe? Because you don't get it. But look at the promise he makes. I have told you these things. This whole series of teaching that we've been going over the last few weeks, starting in John chapter 15. Now I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. The peace that Jesus offers us is not peace that we earn. It's not because we get it. It's not because we've passed the test. Jesus gives us his peace because he loves us. You don't have to get it right. The disciples didn't. They are completely clueless. Like, Jesus says one thing, they say, oh yeah, we get it, and say something completely different. But Jesus still promises his peace. Because the gifts that God gives us are not because we've somehow earned them or are deserving, but because at the end of the day, God really, really loves us. God really loves us. Really wants us to know and trust him. Even in times of grieving, that joy will come in the morning. Even in times of anxiety, that his peace will be with us. Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. battle is already won. It's over. The world is lost. It's still going to swing and flail wildly and bring about all the chaos it can, but the reality is the world doesn't win. The chaos of the brokenness of creation is never the final word. Jesus wins. He gives us his peace. He overcomes the world, not because we deserve it somehow, but because he loves us. And in this season, we will be called on to love each other in a way that we have never had to before. And I think we're up to the challenge. I do. I I think we we have the ability to trust God in, in ways that we have not up to this point. I think we will be able to care for one another in such a way that the reality of Italy won't be the reality of Trinity. Which, it goes both ways. Right? We've already established that, that some of our folks who are most healthy and least at risk are willing. Now the question is, for those of us who are more at risk, can we set our ego aside and embrace that in this time, God has called us to care for one another? That in this time, if you know in your heart of hearts that you are a person who is more vulnerable to this than, than, we'll just say me, right, like, like, I will be the baseline, right, 32 years old, relatively healthy, uh, not as fat as I was a year ago. If. You look at yourself in the mirror and you say, you know what, I am more vulnerable than Pastor Caleb is. Shoot me an email, send me a text, we will bring you groceries, we will pick up your prescriptions. We want to do everything we can to love one another well here in this community and limit some of the negative outcomes that can come as a result of this virus. And that's going to require humility. Which is hard. I get it. Right? We are, uh, we are red-blooded Americans who eat steak and, uh, you know, watch Chuck Norris. And, um, and it's easy for us to say, you know what, it won't happen to me. I'm tough. I'm strong. I've got this figured out. But if we are wise, we will embrace the gift that God has given us of this community. If we are wise, we will allow one another to love us and to take care of us. Because this is the gift that God has given us for a time like this. You know, there are churches where, uh, you know, everyone is under 40. And they're wringing their hands saying, what do we do? Right? Like we, all know, like, we don't know people who are vulnerable except our parents who live three states away. And there are churches where everyone is over 70. And they're, they are wringing their hands saying, how are we going to survive this thing? But God in his grace has given us a church that has a diversity of ages. And in this time, we can bless each other. And I pray we have the humility and the kindness and the fearlessness and selflessness to do that. Let's pray together. Precious Lord, we have nothing to fear because you've given us your Son, Jesus. And your Son, Jesus, has equipped and empowered the church to show your love and your kindness and your grace to the world. Lord, we are so thankful that we don't have to figure out how to live this Christian life on our own, but that you have given us a family of faith You've given us a community, a team, that we can recognize the gifts that we have, and we can share them with one another. Lord, you are good. Your grace abounds, it overflows, and we give you thanks. Amen.